It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down I was born. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's uh, October. It's a uh, American loser. So, of course, we got to do, we got to combine some of the things that we love with the seasons, right? Because I'm KP Burke. I'm your host. The show's called American Loser. We cover the weirdest topics from American history, all the stuff that gets skimmed over, maybe you didn't hear about, or really just covering the biggest losers in American history. I feel like you guys get that by now. I mean, they should. It's been three years. It's been, yeah. yeah, it's been three years, damn it. It kind of gets the drift at this and point. And yet we're still picking up new listeners, which well, I appreciate. You Anytime you get somebody new in here, yeah, there's about three years worth of back catalog episodes. Please go check that shit out. Yeah, it's um, not a closed shop. You're any, all, all newbies are welcome. It's true, very much so. And we like to have entry-level episodes for everyone. We write this like TV, pretty much. That's how we do it. <laughs> uh, but I'm KP Burke. We're at a shared universe podcast studio in Homedale, New Jersey, live at the Bellworks. We're hanging out la- over here. When was the last time you went to Eaton Town? There is no Eaton Town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that fell off the map. Well, you guys know those two voices. Uh, behind the ones and twos, uh, the finest podcast producer on this here side of the Hudson. <laughs> What's going on, man? Our good man, the big kahuna. How you feeling, buddy? I'm good, man. It's good to see you guys. It's always good. Now, you dig the whole spooky season thing, right? I do. All right. Recently, too. I used to used to be kind of a curmudgeon when it That's came a- to, to <laughs> Halloween. I uh, And then- as of recently, I'm like, okay, I, I pick up the vibes this is putting down. This is fun. I think someone once described this to me in a pretty cool way, and then we're going to introduce, of course, my co-host. Um, but I always thought this was pretty interesting, that uh, when you're young, you see the kids being killed in a slasher horror movie or the horrible things going. You're like, oh, my God, that's terrible that that happened to that person. Um, or especially with those kids, you're like, oh, my God, those, those adults, you know, if they're getting killed, I wouldn't have a chance in hell. I'm a little kid. And then you get to be older than those kids, and then you realize how annoying they are, and you're like, you start rooting for the serial killer. <laughs> if I got to hear this girl bitch one more time, I hope Kruger just comes out and ends it. So, save us, Kruger, save us. Well, the, one of the most famous slasher movies happens to be where this young man uh, next to me went to summer camp every year of his life. There um, you go. From Camp Noby Bosco, the legend of Dumont himself, my dilf of a dad. <laughs> Larry Burke, how you doing, guy? Oh, we're just doing wonderful, Kev. Great day to be alive. Any weird haunted historical things you want to mention other than the fact that you literally used to camp where I grew up? Yeah, actually, where that was filmed, uh, Friday the 13th, uh, the Sand Pond, uh, um, the wonderful Blairstown, New Jersey. But uh, I think uh, in the movie they called it something else. But uh, Crystal Lake. Crystal Lake. Camp Crystal, Crystal Lake. Lake. Yep. But uh, so there's still- like iced tea that murders you. Yeah, there's still <laughs> movie memorabilia there and- uh, there are opportunities to visit that. It's a, it's not a freebie uh, walk in the door kind of a thing, but they do uh, oftentimes on various Friday the Thirteenth do offer uh, paid tours to the to the uh, movie set. Yeah, and then the, the camp that I actually worked in growing up for years uh, also has a bit of a ghost story. Uh, that one's just a pedophile though. 
So. <laughs> oh, good Lord, KP. He's uh, he's under litigation, so uh, he's in trouble. He's going to burn. <laughs> I also love how that movie ended up just filming in New Jersey, like especially in a time when nothing was shot in New Jersey. That's a good point. One of the longest lasting horror franchises in history right. is shot in right. what township is it in? Blairstown. Blairstown. Oh, yeah. That's wild to me. I yeah. love that. It's a long shot off of 80, but it still counts as Jersey. If you miss the turn, <laughs> right. you're in Pennsylvania. That's right. The next U-turn opportunity is probably on the other side of the Delaware River. Well, we like to do a little thing <laughs> over here. Uh, and first of all, you guys know there's one of your free episodes here. We're sorry that it's a day late, but the studio was not available yesterday, okay? Because uh, Ming was having another uh, one of his – I don't know what he does anymore. I can't tell. But he still takes great care of us when he can. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think this is pretty much just his mailing address. That Every once in a while, he stops by to pick up the mail, change his underwear, and – off he goes again someplace around the world. Yeah, I wonder I, how true that is yeah. at well, certain it, points. Ming is sort of a D.B. Cooper now that I'm thinking about it. So. <laughs> but um, oh, you guys know this is one of your regular free episodes. If you want to do us a favor and help us out with the show, because we're about to tell you a great story here. It's a really damn good one. And of course, it has all the ingredients of quality loserdom. But before we get to that, it's really important to me that uh, if you guys like the show, help me out a little bit so I can keep uh, affording to rent the studio space here, have uh, Kahuna doing all the edits because I still don't know how to do it after three years. Um, That's right. It's I the hold truth. the power. He does. That's it's right. unfortunate. Don't fuck with your sound guy, people. Don't ever mess with him. Kahuna is our secret sauce. There's no doubt. That's a, well, join now us available in Walmart. <laughs> Join us over on uh, The Founding Losers over on Patreon, where for as low as $3 a month, you can get the bonus episode. And if you want to jump it up to the five, we got some cool merch we're going to send your way. It means a lot. We really appreciate it. It keeps us rolling here. We get new people in all the time. We get some people that like, hey, maybe maybe money's getting tight or something. I totally get that. Don't worry about it. We'll make it all happen. Uh, we're we're, we're going to build back better, man. <laughs> but we got a great one for you today. As you guys know, the show is – well, I mean – a lot of the heart of it is uh, – it's just history and knowing and wanting to tell a good story. And then there's uh, this other weird caveat, this little Jersey connection thing we've been coming up with. And well, it's because Jersey's insanely historical. That's why a lot of this stuff works out. Yep. So I got a couple good ones uh, for you here. We've covered some shipwrecks in the past and stuff, Kahuna. Um, and you know, you remember from that that the nautical folk, they're a little bit superstitious. Okay, mm -hmm. I like I like what you're putting down so far. <laughs> well, they're they're a little they're curious folks here. So uh, let's say um, let's say a guy has a job cleaning beer lines, um, <laughs> and he just a hypothetical. Yeah, just let's just say he does that you know, during the day while he's pursuing his stand up career. And okay. let's say that at five a.m. a couple weeks ago, he's in a place called the Shore House in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. Okay, now the and Shore House is a. Uh, an establishment. It's not just somebody's rental. It's not my cousin's shore house, dude. <laughs> yeah, right. the, the shore house. But uh, yes, the shore house, uh, a fine establishment serving all sorts of beers, very clean lines. Um, <laughs> oh, but, good uh, Lord. Anyway, as I'm uh, as I'm looking around there, it's 5 a.m. The sun's not up yet. It's dark. My buddy's uh, in the cooler, uh, jumping the kegs and everything like that. And then uh, I'm in there just by myself. And there's all this uh, these paintings of a shipwreck. And there's like a whole little section of the bar is dedicated to this shipwreck. And I couldn't prove it. I wasn't sure, but I think part of the shipwreck might be on display at this location. So as you guys know, seafaring folks, they're always a little off. You kind of have to be if, you know, there's an entire planet full of land and you're like, let's go where there's not this. <laughs> let's go where we only know about 9% of it. As uh, And what did Fozzie call it in Muppet Treasure Island, Kahuna? This is called a layup. Nah. <laughs> 
Oh man, I'm blanking because I haven't watched that movie in years. Actually, oh that no, bi- that big blue wet thing. <laughs> <laughs> that and I just wanted to hear your Fozzie Bear. <laughs> well, I mean, someone has to say. Let's see how far that big blue thing goes, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's the start of your sailors, if you will, the seagoing folk. And uh, takes a tough person with some smarts, some will, and some luck. But mankind seems to have figured out at least something about the briny blue, where we're still shocked when a ship is lost at sea or a storm, uh, a storm, <laughs> a storm turns out to be a little bit more uh, than we anticipated in terms of uh, severity. So. Being at the will of the ocean makes people a little superstitious about seeing funny things at sea. Uh, good uh, omens, bad omens, harbingers of doom. Mysterious singing. Tis, uh, Albatrosses, mermaids. Mermaids. It's bad mer- luck to mer- kill a seabird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the deadly hydra, um, the Loch Ness Monster, everything. But Big white fish or, or white whale. Whale! <laughs> However, nothing keeps an able-bodied seaman on his toes quite like things being quiet, or in this instance, a little too quiet. And that is the weather for the entire year of 1845 on the American East Coast, where it is described as disturbingly quiet, Dad. Mm-hmm. Now, Not a single hurricane or tropical storm was reported in 1845. Well, it's 2021, and we're already at like two, I think. No, so I think we're more than that, actually. Because we had a couple of double whammies, but uh, we're, yeah, it's. Well, one of those hurricanes identified as a nor'easter, so. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, won't, we, won't, uh, we won't judge. Well, uh, it's disturbingly quiet here. Like you said, Dad, there's not a whole lot of storms going on. And this is 1845. Okay. This is pre-Civil War America. And the maritime trade is going pretty good. I mean, we've had boats around for forever, but you can definitely, there's a whole way of making a living if you live near the water. That, uh, you know, the, the sea calls to you, you know, call me Ishmael, all that stuff. And there's these uh, ships that are known as packet ships. And packet ships uh, picture, I guess, the UPS of their day. You know, what can Brown do for you? Uh, but it's a ship, uh, it, mostly three-masted ships like the one we're about to talk about, that would be t- like taking letters and goods and stuff like that and just delivering the mail from up and down the coast. So. Well, more than mail, but I mean cargo, cargo, and everything else. I mean, but again, water was the uh, the highways, the byways of getting stuff from point A to point B. Um, we're really pre railroad, uh, certainly pre automobile, pre truck, or anything else. So, if you got to get large uh, large goods anywhere and passengers as as well, uh, pretty much it's going by going by ship. Yeah, and the East Coast seafarers they know. Lord Neptune is uh, his will be mighty, so he can throw uh, anything that he wants to their way. They are used to wild storms, hurricanes, again nor'easters. There's a reason why the Northeast has nor'easters. Um, but this weather of 1845 is wonderful, so nice and so to the fact that they're actually sitting there saying, "Oh man, we're going to pay for this dearly. Enjoy yeah. it now, guys. It's got to balance out Enjoy sometime it now. or other." Very, yeah. There's really a truly a Greek quality to them, where they're like, "Oh, don't say your kid's too pretty out loud, otherwise the gods will make the next one ugly." <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's real shit that they thought, man. But it gets pretty wild here, and the weather is going to have to all eventually even out. To eventually, the, the, the superstitious men of Neptune—they prepare for a brutal year of weather coming in 1846. A storm is coming, and not just any storm, a nor'easter. 
in February of 1846, and it's going to be a doozy, Dad. <laughs> you betcha. You got any info on this one? Or? Uh, yeah, I mean, the storm arrived on uh, on a Saturday, February the 14th, so right before Valentine's Day, and it lasted for two days. Um, and it pounded not just, you know, one specific spot. You know, you hear about hurricanes or tropical storms or whatever coming ashore or making landfall. Uh, this was pretty much from uh, the Carolinas all the way up to uh, to Maine. Um, reports of uh, 20-foot-high snow drifts. And again, we were, we were a reminder that this is February, so <laughs> it's, it's not only a, a storm, it's bitter cold and bringing snow and everything else. 20-foot uh, snow drifts in Massachusetts, uh, massive flooding, high winds, um, but the brunt of the storm uh, was really our, our own good old New Jersey. The center of the universe or the eye of the storm, whichever you want. To be. <laughs> right. A little, bit, a little bit of both, to be honest. Well, again, the storm's coming. It's going to be a doozy. This nor'easter is going to hit in February of 1846, like you said, Dad. And uh, this particular storm, all right, we talked about a couple of bad storms. You talk about the movie um, The Perfect Storm with George Clooney and Wahlberg and uh, you mm-hmm. know, the Gloucesterman. So uh, that one's pretty bad. And that's sad that that ship has lost its sea. And what a, a, a crazy movie and story that is. But- this storm's going to go ahead and just take out nine ships all at once. Nine. Yep. Nine ships. And uh, it will become known as the John Mintern Storm. Well, hang on for a second. Who's John Mintern, Dad? Are they naming storms? Like uh, Gloria or uh, Sandy or... Uh, Henri. Uh, Henri. <laughs> yeah. Hurricane Ida. No, this is before they were actually naming storms, but... Uh, the John Min- this became known as the John Mintern um, storm. But you said that there were nine ships. Yeah, nine ships were uh, lost at sea, but those nine ships were all off the coast of New Jersey. Whoa. We are a nautical graveyard, my friend. And it, it I kind of knew a little bit about this because it leads into a, a father-son camping trip we'd go on every year. <laughs> but uh, yeah, pretty intense. I, I kind of knew that we had a history of this. I didn't realize how bad it was. It, it's it's pretty brutal. It is uh, a, an elephant's graveyard of ships. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, In Jersey, outside the coast. Yep. Kind of our own backyard, bud. So wow, that's why this okay. one plays a little close to home here. So that's kind of explaining why this particular ship that we're about to talk about is. Oh, so we're still talking about a particular ship. Oh, yeah. Um, so this Ooh. one, this storm takes out nine in total, though. That's correct. Yeah. Of all the nine ships, the one that um, got the most ill press, if you will, or most uh, notorious was. The biggest uh, conflagration? Yeah, there you go. Was, yeah. The uh, biggest th- disaster big of all word, of them. Though. I don't want to mispronounce that word, so I thought I'll leave that one to you. Yeah, but. you got to make sure you hit the L. Yeah. It's important. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. It has nothing to do with the the concrete ship, does it? Do you no. know that legend? No. No, but I did pass uh, the memorial the other day to the SS Morrow Castle. Right there uh, up against the, in Asbury Park. Oh, wow, yeah. And it was very cool to, to sit there, look at everything, and be like, oh, that's where the boat would. We probably could have swam out to it. Right. Some hipster couple would be getting married on it right now <laughs> if it was still there. Freaking, that's still wild to me that that happened there. I remember uh, when, because we had either talked about it briefly or just had another discussion about it, but I was there and I was able to take like 
the one of the photos and I lined it up where it was. And I was like, this is so fucking cool. Cause you see the ball. It's right. It's all the same. Yeah. It's all oh, the it's same. terrifying. It, it's definitely a little bit creepy, but there's just something beautiful about Asbury, man. Um, and again, for our listeners, what was that cap? That was a previous episode. You know it. Back catalog. Back catalog. <laughs> so, well, this John Mintern, it's not a person, guys. It's actually going to be a ship. In this story, the John Mintern is a three-masted wooden packet ship, like I was talking about. Kind of your uh, uh, floating UPS truck of sorts, if you will. <laughs> it's going to be uh, commonly used for transporting mail, packages, and goods up and down the coast, as well as across the sea over to England. Again, like that's your space travel back in the day, you know? But the John Mintern will unfortunately leave New Orleans heading for New York. So New Orleans, big port city, right? Easy access down there as long as you can get yourself over that way. Yeah. Pretty good time too, you know? Uh, pretty good football team. Sorry Hang to- on Bourbon Street. Yep. Sorry to our buddy Tyler Prysuk for uh, the Giants beating the Saints. We didn't mean to, right? <laughs> That's right. We truly didn't mean it to. completely by accident. Yeah, we're not sure how we did it either, so I can't even apologize for that. But um, New Orleans, fun town over there, right? New York, pretty fun town too. And uh, on your way into New York, though, what do you got to pass by, Cajuns? On your way into, into New York? Yes, you're going to go into New York Harbor. If you're coming from oh, the south. and Statue of Liberty. Uh, before you get there. Before you get there. Uh, come on, I was technically right. But wait, what? Like in particular? What's the first beach that you would really consider yourself down the shore area? I don't really know, actually. Sandy Hook, baby. Wait, really? Mm-hmm. That's the first beach? Yeah, the way that Sandy oh, Hook is- I got further- no, nah, never mind. I thought it was further. So well, Sandy Hook's very important because you can overlook New York from there. So actually for a military advantage, you'd be able to set up good defenses over there. Yeah, Sandy Hook controls New York Harbor. So Isn't there base up? Or not base, but like isn't there something up there for that? Oh, yeah. They had all sorts of stuff. And yeah. it was definitely ramped up during World War II. And let me tell you, uh, let's say a guy who was uh, you know, my scoutmaster growing up as kids. <laughs> who was that guy? Every Father's Day weekend would take us to Sandy Hook and we would go camping out there and you'd get to play amongst the ruins as long as you didn't tell anybody where you went. But you'd go um, you'd go illegally play amongst the ruins of the old fortifications well, and check out the up. twin lights. But that's all this weird, crazy nautical history that comes in here because uh, this was a serious thing. You could be living down the Jersey Shore, look outside your window. And there'd be friggin', you know, a, a shipwreck being destroyed in a huge storm right out within plain view of you. And you're just like, oh, is it was it that close to shore? It could that be where it happened. It could be a lot of times, man. Wow. And it, it's a sad, sad story, too. And I didn't even think about this because you think about a shipwreck. You're like, oh, so then the ship sinks. Right. That's what's going to happen. Right. It's just going to go down, you know, like Titanic. And then it's over. Well, no. no, there's some more shit that can actually happen. And that's our story today. <laughs> Um, Capsize, right? That's up there too, man. But this one's pretty brutal. I was left a little haunted by this one. So just in time for Halloween, the John Minturn will leave New Orleans heading for New York. On board the John Minturn at this time, and keep in mind this is February of 1846, they will have 51 souls and over 80,000 grand in merchandise and goods. The weather that had long been feared and rumored to be coming back with hell to pay for the nice year before it's going to actually show itself along the East Coast. According to some reports compiled from a great website, which I think is also a podcast called The Forgotten and the Found, um, the entire East Coast is getting intense. Like you said, Dad, 15 to 20 foot snow drifts, houses buried under the snow, right. mercury readings down to zero. I think one person's a mercury, like, like a, a lighthouse guy or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, just wrote and goes, the mercury's down to zero. Fine times these are. Kind of. <laughs> so they just got a, a good sense of humor. You have to have that to brave a winter, especially with that that sea breeze just coming through, man, cutting through you. But 
As the John Mintern and its crew is attempting to brave the storm, they're finding themselves nearing their destination of New York at the center of the universe, New Jersey. Yeah, so they're off the coast of New Jersey. Uh, the wind is howling. This thing started on the uh, the storm really hit on the 14th and went went for two days straight. Intense winds, uh, and you can imagine what the surf was. I mean, it was just, uh, I would imagine, twenty at least 20-foot waves um, crashing. It ain't good. It ain't good. And you're not in a, uh, a powered vessel. You've got to remember, this is 1846, so wind is still your still your force that's moving the ship. It's not like you got some big steam engines or anything that's going to help you navigate through this. It's, nope. uh, and wooden ships. And, uh, you know, as great as they are for floating, they're also sometimes pretty bad at uh, breaking. Yeah. So that's not good either, man. Um, there's a ship also uh, in this storm that's getting caught up by the name of uh, the Alabama. Okay. And the Alabama actually will beach itself near Manasquan. Wow. Yeah. So it will actually- Near Manasquan or Manasquan Beach? Pretty much Manasquan. Yeah. Wow. Manasquan, yeah. yeah. Near the- Well, what we know today as the Manasquan Inlet varied from from through history as to exactly where Manasquan Inlet actually cut through. Um, These various towns, uh, for those who are not familiar with New Jersey, um, they're barrier islands. Um, So you have these little spits of sand, uh, barrier islands off the actual coast that uh, there's sandbars not too far off that became notorious for um, ships beaching themselves or, or running aground, and that's really what we're what we're playing with here. But the Alabama does run aground, does come uh, into the man near what is what we now know as Manasquan Inlet, and runs aground, and they're trying to save people. They didn't really didn't come into shore; they're caught up in a sandbar, and unfortunately, uh, all the crew of the Alabama. Uh, perished. They were not able to be saved. And here they are. They were only a couple of hundred yards off the off the actual shore. Yeah. But you can see like do for it. And um <laughs> that's right. Wow. Right. You could call in for a um a delivery to uh like like Leggett's or the Osprey for those who are a little more familiar with the local Inside uh, baseball, sorry guys. <laughs> local geography. Yeah. But unfortunately, this Alabama ship, it is beached near Manasquan and others rescue efforts that are being formed by local residents and other Jersey seagoing folk. Because if you know the area and you got a boat and you're just like, man, we got to try to save some of these people. This is terrible, man. No one should be out there. But if you're stuck out at sea and the storm hits and there's no way to tell, you know, then you're you're stuck out there, man. There's no Doppler radar to go check out. There's no Sam Champion to ask, what's the forecast looking like, man? Right. You know, it's going to be a little bit brutal and you're going to get caught probably off guard. So you got to track the weather as best you can. And these poor guys, uh, the Alabama, like you said, Dad, that's... Uh, Are you uh, setting this up to be Jersey's Flying Dutchman, basically? Like, Jesus. It's... Um, I'm getting, like, the, the really crappy origin story. Not like the story's crappy, just like the situation <laughs> and circumstances. I'm just like, this is crazy. It ain't good, man. There's a little Mary Celeste to this. There's a little... Um, a little Morrow Castle to this. There's a there's a lot of going on over here, you know. But Mother Nature giveth, Mother Nature taketh away. Mm-hmm. Well, it's true. So in order to tell the story right, though, what do we have to have? We don't have to have it, but I always like to have it because it's easier to understand a story, especially in history, if you give it through the idea of a movie. So the hero of this movie, if you will, is uh, he's going to be a, a, a guy by the name of Thomas Freeborn because just a few hours into the rescue efforts of the beached Alabama – the boys who are attempting to make these rescues of that ship 
are now running over to turn their attention to the Minturn, which is in a world of hurt. So February 14th, 1846, a Nantucket-born man by the name of Thomas Freeborn, who is a, a seaman through and through, as many Nantucket folk are. Something about living on an island makes you pretty good at navigating a boat. <laughs> That's right. So uh, Freeborn was a father to 12 children. And uh, that he all these kids are, by the way, with his wife, Alice. Uh, Want to guess what Alice's maiden name was? Duggar. <laughs> that's one of the best jokes. <laughs> no, her last name was Fish. So, how much of a nautical man is he? Dude, fucked a fish. <laughs> uh, Twelve times at least. <laughs> that's Call TLC. Right <laughs> uh, well, Freeborn is a harbor pilot at Sandy Hook. Now, Dad, real quick, just so the people who don't know what Sandy Hook is, I kind of mentioned it earlier. It's your pathway into New York, if you will. Yeah, it's really the guardian of uh, – it's a spit of uh, spit of land coming off of New Jersey that actually does form a, the shape of a hook. Um, but it really protects New York Harbor uh, from, the, from the elements to a certain degree. And um, this guy, uh, Freeborn, is a, a harbor pilot. Now, a harbor pilot were pilots, navigators that – they would sail out to ships who were coming into the harbor because they were better aware of where the various hazards, where the uh, sandbars were, the you know the underwater stuff. There might be things that would uh, have uh, be troublesome to a ship navigating its way into the harbor that would be unseen, but it's only a couple of feet below water. So if you tried to sail over that stuff, you're, yeah, if the guy, <laughs> you're screwing it up. If a guy who knows the waters can just, hey, hey, you made it all the way up here, man. You did a great job navigating. Now let me just park this car for you. That's right. Kind of what That's it really right. is. <laughs> let me let me parallel park this thing for you. It's just a bit of a valet service aside, vibe, right? you know? Right. And this uh, harbor pilot, there was a number of them. Um, that would perform that service. And, and they weren't just unique to the New York Harbor, but uh, although most. they were working for the New York Harbor primarily, they might not necessarily be coming out of New York. They were stationed off the coast of New Jersey and would uh, go, go aboard these various uh, vessels um, before they actually entered into uh, New York waters. So uh, again, they're, they're guiding their way in. And um, I it's don't know. worth it to tag a guy in for that if he knows how to get you in there safely. Right, and you're gonna you're gonna hand him the you're gonna hand him the keys, if you will, to uh, you take it from here. Yeah. And, and that that still goes on today. That's not just something that was from 1846. I mean, no, it, it, like with with the advancement of technology, then it becomes like tugboats. That's why most that's why most ships don't dock themselves. They need the the, need, the need assistance. smaller right. assistant. That boats. was my dream job in the Navy, by the way, to be one of the tugboats that takes the people out to sea. To really? Ship. That was my dream See gig. going tug? I just wanted to come back. I, wanted to, I was going to have a corncob pipe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was going to find a way to have a beard. And they're like, we can't grow a beard. So I was going to find one I would wear with like a little, you know, spearmint gum or whatever it is you have to put on there. Get a tattoo of an anchor. Uh, sure. Yeah. Can of spinach in your pocket. I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> but the captain of uh, the John Mintern, is not this uh, Freeborn fellow we're talking about here. Freeborn is just a harbor pilot, like you said, Dad, and his ship is named the Blossom, okay? Uh, Whoa. While cruising out near Maniloking, Maniloking being a little bit further down from, uh, so if the Alabama just uh, washed ashore on uh, Manasquan, then Maniloking is maybe, uh, what would you say, Dad? Like maybe 20 miles? Not even. Not even, right? It's south of Point Pleasant. Right, as the crow flies. 
Indeed. Yeah, but now the this the ship, the Blossom, that was really a harbor pilot boat, the Blossom. So the Blossom Correct. would that, go out. It's a smaller ship, but it would go out with a number of these different harbor pilots on it so that as they came upon various ships that were in distress or needed assistance in getting into New York Harbor, uh, one of the harbor pilots would go aboard to uh, to assist in, in the, you know, as Kahuna was saying, the docking, almost like a tugboat uh, kind of a thing, only they're Very actually so. going on board and they're doing the best they can in steering the ship. And again, this is a wind-driven this is a sailboat. This is not. Uh, this is not anything that's under its own power. It's under the uh, other the laws of Mother Nature. It's a dangerous job now, but back then it was way, way worse. Right. Like we have the advancement of technology to to benefit us with the ease of that. But like, can you imagine how violent docking a ship must have been back in the day? Oh, and it's uh, one or two things go wrong, and and again, it's your ass. Uh, you know, as the captain too. Yeah, and I just had a little interesting Uh-oh. side. He's excited. You a see a little, little shitty grin just came across oh, his face. What do you got? What yeah, you got? just a little uh, cross reference here. The ship Blossom, which took uh, uh, Freeborn out to the John Mintern, uh, it actually was a pretty uh, noteworthy um, harbor pilot boat, if you will, uh, because previously in 1839, it was that same pilot boat Blossom that came across a. Uh, a ship that uh, maybe some of you guys might recognize as a as a movie, the Amistad, which was a La Amistad, uh, an Amistad, La Amistad, which was a, a slave ship that was uh, uh, overtaken by the the the, uh, the twenty to five to thirty black men who were put put into bondage aboard this thing. It was a Spanish ship, uh, and that became a big international court case. Um, because who actually owns the ship? And again, we're going to the times here, the, the, the cargo. Well, the cargo happened to be slaves. Um, and there was a 1997 movie uh, directed by uh, Steven Spielberg that uh, kind of made a, a name for the Amistad. Well, shit, wasn't Matthew McConaughey in that? I think he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyhow, uh, just it was the same blossom, that same pilot boat um, that uh, came upon the uh, the Amistad and uh, later was uh, taken into custody, if you will, and became a big, as I say, a big uh, court case. Well, now, the captain of the John Mintern is actually a guy by the name of Dudley Stark. Yeah. Hey, what could go wrong with a, with a, a captain named Dudley? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to go Stark. Oh, you know, Stark's always making great decisions. Yeah, Dud. Winter's coming. So... Uh, but Captain Dudley Stark, he's being completely overwhelmed by this storm, and uh, it's not going good. So Freeman's hopping on board uh, almost as an act of mercy and truly an act of heroism here where it's like, listen, if you said we can't get on there, it's too dangerous, nobody was going to sit there and be like, cowards. But instead, this guy, because he's a harbor pilot, baby, I'm here to do a job. He uh, gets on board, winds up taking over the controls, and uh, with his local knowledge and years of experience, maybe they got a fighting chance in hell. But for all his bravery and knowledge, this icy hurricane, which is exactly what it was, an icy hurricane. Imagine being stuck. Yeah. I mean, Hurricane Ida just fucked up all of Jersey pretty much. So right. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. And you weren't dealing with ice and snow. And and we weren't doing it at sea. Yeah, we weren't doing it in, <laughs> in, yeah, with a rolling sea. Um, yeah. That was uh, 
it, it was bad. And actually, uh, when he gets on board and starts giving some of the orders about dropping sail or raising sail, uh, some of the sails on the Minturn were in such bad shape that they just blew off. They just cracked and oh, man. and blew off. So you know, whatever controls you were trying to bring the ship back under, uh, it's not good when the wind rips it right off the ship. So we live in like a video game society, right? Where when a character dies, we don't experience the agony of the continued and slow prolonged death. We just have the, uh, you know, the... Uh, the Super Mario's dun 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 dun. Right, you know? game Just over. a quick game over. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Bloop. Uh, so unfortunately, this part of the story is where really it gets um, it gets downright harrowing. So uh, they're not able to keep the ship going. Okay, the ship will actually, uh, despite all the best efforts from uh, Freeborn, um, they wind up washing ashore at Squan Beach, not Manasquan Beach, Squan, Squan Beach, Beach, which is a little further south, okay, closer to Point Pleasant. So anyway, as um, as this now washes ashore over here, if it doesn't sound all that bad, just know that this isn't exactly swimming distance to the beach, and that's if anyone could make it at all. And it's on also a, On a nice day, on a nice summer oh, yeah. day. <laughs> that's also without the weather and the now constant barrage. Think about this one, Cahoons. You're now stuck. Your ship is washed across the, the, the sea here. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's literally, you're, you're run aground, but there's still water surrounding you on all sides, okay? Because you just have the, the, the they, depth. They the, hit a piece of land that was just below the waterline of their they ship. They ran aground, like maybe on a sandbar. Oh, sandbar, yeah. right. Way. Off, you're offshore, but you're But you're maybe, still decently far away. You're, you're maybe 300 yards now. And now you're getting shellacked by wave after wave after wave, and the ship's not going anywhere. So the objects in motion that are going to have to stay, stay in, motion in motion are you. You're going to just keep... Imagine being at a wave pool, but it just never stops, okay? It's just constant wave after wave. It's freezing cold. Um, the wind is whipping like crazy. There's snow coming down. And you're trying to escape a giant bucking ship Yep, uh, that it's, can crush you at any given moment if the right wave pushes it's hell. it. It's fucking hell, dude. Um, and I, I feel for these people. And they're also close enough on shore that people are reporting being able to hear the screams of people on board the ship. Oh, like the scream we just heard in the in the... In the yeah, except not some shitty little kid who I'm going to need in the face <laughs> after this. Huh? That was pretty good. That was pretty well timed, but still. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, maybe maybe Eatontown is the way <laughs> the way back to. <laughs> but again, this is uh, absolute hell. This crew is. I mean, th this is somebody did something wrong for these people to be stuck in this situation, man. It's no, it's nothing you would ever wish on even your worst enemy. I would say a, uh, a ship known as a yawl or a masted sailboat is what I had to look up. Yawl isn't, I spent too much time in the South. It's Y A W L. That's not, not like y'all, y'all some pieces work. Yeah. Um, this is a small masted boat, uh, actually gets sent off of, uh, the John Mintern and, uh, is able to reach the shore safely after being launched, uh, from the Minturn, as I said, but the grim reality is becoming clearer and clearer. Many of the souls on board would not be leaving the Minturn. How many people? 51? 51. Of the 51 souls on board, Kahuna, on board the Minturn, including the wife, son, and daughter of Captain Stark, as well as Captain Stark himself, and sadly, our fallen hero, Thomas Freeborn. How did Thomas... Wait, how did Thomas... Mean his will, end. They will all perish on board the ship. There will be a uh, thirty-eight of the fifty-one that die Holy on board. Shit. Yeah, 
Yeah, whether was, that was killed in the water or by the waves, or it's just up for speculation. Hypothermia. Well, I found a cool quote that I think you guys might dig. Hypothermia being a big one. Um, at 11 o'clock at night, with the storm still raging, the Minturn went to pieces. So the boat finally broke. Okay. We could hear the wailing shrieks that went up from the despairing ones as the sea at last caught them in its merciless embrace. The cold was intense. And when the bodies came into the shore, many were found frozen as rigidly as statues. Quite a number, I recollect. Hey, guys, just want to take a quick break from the show here to talk about our great sponsor, Blue Chew. If you're having problems in the bedroom and you have erectile dysfunction, go ahead and check out Blue Chew. Let us know about that one here. Use this hashtag code, uh, Real American Losers, and Big Kahuna and I will talk to you about how to keep your excitement going in the bedroom. Uh, what just happened? Quite a number, I recollect, stuck at the beach in a sitting position. And thus we saw dead men sitting upright, as in life, as we drew them out of the way of the waves. Okay, we're just not going to talk about that. All right, cool. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All right, sounds good. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Oh, uh, I had to get, because it's such a brutal thing. And at the heart of this show, it is a history show, but it's also funny. And when I'm reading about just people, there's no way to sugarcoat this. That's one of the, the most brutal ways to go possible. Yeah. And uh, these poor people. So I had to try to dig ourselves out with some sort of a joke. But the interesting thing here is the fallout from this whole thing, which Lawrence Patrick, I'm about to tag you in here in a second because you've got some info for me because there's a couple things. There is some fallout from this maritime disaster of yeah. which I believe – Around this time in 1846, this is the biggest maritime disaster in American history with right. loss of life. With the, with the loss of life, that was that was one of the biggies. I mean, and but it wasn't just the midterm. But when you have a storm that is now named the John Minturn Storm of 1846, uh, that ship is, gets gets credit for the, you know gets named. Or that storm gets named for the ship. What do we always say? And if it you're was named only, after something. It's right. usually it's sometimes it's a bad thing. <laughs> and there was and then there were eight other ships that were lost, but this this one was the worst. Um, and the loss of life was dreadful. I mean, uh, the Alabama that went down just a few miles from where the um, intern um, was wrecked. I mean, they couldn't do anything for the for the crew members of the Alabama, and now the intern where you have uh, women and children on board as well as uh, some of the passengers. Uh, and there was nothing they could do that you're standing on the beach and looking through these gale force winds and uh, sleet and snow and everything else. And you can hear the shrieks of the people aboard ship as the ship is breaking up just a couple of hundred yards off for sure. But there's nothing you can do for them. There's no way you can get a small craft out to them. Some of the crew members, aboard the John Minturn did whatever they could to try to get ashore. Actually, two of them went into, I guess, like a small lifeboat type of a thing mm -hmm. with a rope, went over the side and tried to bring that rope into shore so that others might be able to use that as a, as a guideline, to try a to guide a lifeline to come along to, to get come them back up, in yeah, to, to bring them into shore. But the wind and the current was so severe that they were just blown sideways further south. And they had to cut the line to save themselves. Otherwise, their little lifeboat would have capsized. And um, it was just a horror show that uh, all these people that were trying to 
save these people and you were helpless. There was nothing. It's it's like riding along the highway and seeing a, a car on flames and there's nothing you can really do about Mother it. Mother Nature was like, nah, bitch, not today. Yeah. Pretty much, man. Uh, that's Check that's this pretty out. much I, it. You can and, probably share this on Insta, but I pulled up a picture. This is, a, this is kind of where they oh, nice. estimate all of this happened. So the Minturn was right off of, like, it was pretty close. Yeah. And then to where we are right now. And then Point Pleasant, the Alabama was literally what looks like where Jenkinson's is now. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You can go uh, check out the aquarium with uh, uh, Jenkinson's Pier. But uh, yeah, that uh, um, there was uh, you know bodies that would continue to wash ashore um, days later. As a matter of fact, one the body of one man washed ashore. 15 miles down the coast. So from where the Minturn uh, was wrecked, um, that body wasn't found until 15 miles further down the shore and was brought to Point Pleasant by a fisherman in his wagon and uh, in a belt around the waist of the body that was brought up to Point Pleasant, they found uh, $1,500 in gold, which was given to uh, this guy, the, 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 the dead man's brother who resided in Philadelphia, but there was a lot of uh, speculation. Oh, this about is great. Come on. I know where you're lot, going. Yeah. A lot of speculation <laughs> that was going on with this, that um, some people started calling the, the Jersey residents pirates because they were going after whatever monies uh, might be found on the bodies or whatever cargo. They were accusing them of looting the bodies as they were washing along the shore. There was even a couple stories of people um, hiding a dead body and then saying, well, I'm going to ransom the dead body when the family comes to look for it. Right. Oh, I know where she is. You you, you, wanted, you want to see the, your niece's body? I got it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's going to cost you 10 bucks for us to turn over the yeah, body. Yeah, 10 bucks to look at it, 20 and I'll give it to you. Yeah. You, know? um, you looked me in the eye when you said that. Mm -hmm. and I don't think I've ever been more creeped out <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Uh, and there was a, a lot of uh, both uh, local and international uh, newspaper reports about these uh, these pirates of uh, of, of pirates Monmouth of County, yeah, <laughs> of Monmouth County that were uh, you know looting the looting the dead bodies, the Monmouth and County Marauders, the ship and and everything else, and it was really you know, not a not a good look for the no. residents of New Jersey. No. Um, a, a later. Uh, inqu inquisition, not inquisition, but inquiry or-, or um, Congress got involved. Yeah. Congress actually allowed an investigation to go into this to figure out whether or not the, the Jersey folks were- Stealing from the dead? Looting dead bodies. Imagine that though. You loot a dead body and you're like, let's go to DJ's. We'll go to DJ's. <laughs> <laughs> we got beer money. I mean, it's right past the inlet, man. Like yeah. we can, we Close can go to the bar A at that point, right? We can go to DJ's, then we can go ride some roller coasters over at Jenkins. <laughs> would be great. Cheese steaks, baby. Um, yeah. It's shitty. Um, there was a whole big uh, uproar, obviously, over, over all of that, and uh, further investigation found that a lot of those stories were were false; that they were not accurate. What did happen is that if the families, because a lot of the bodies were ne never recovered um, by uh, their families, um, they were actually buried right here in, in on Monmouth County. And they might, if they, if the families could afford it, they might have been billed like two or three dollars for um, burial costs, bury ex uh, the uh, county burial expenses. But um, the whole idea that uh, you know bodies were being held in ransom 
that was that was proven to be false. But uh, with this whole big uproar, again, if, if your ship is in trouble um, for whatever reason, um, there's nobody to contact. There's nobody. There's nobody out there. The federal government had a lot of these uh, cutter ships and everything else that were more of uh, tax assessors. Um, that they would uh, levy taxes on your cargo as you were coming in, but there was no money being spent for life-saving type of a thing. <laughs> all of that was uh, strictly on a volunteer basis. All of these people that were attempting to rescue the nine other ships that went down, uh, the Alabama, the John Minter, and everything else, all these rescue attempts was really just by volunteers. It wasn't any paid force. There wasn't any life-saving force. Well, because of this uh, catastrophe that we had off the coast of New Jersey and, and, and in other areas as well, um, um, Congress does get involved and then decide that they're going to uh, create something that would come to the aid of people that were at sea and, and, and in, bad, in bad shape. And it was the formation of the United States Lifesaving Service. And that didn't happen until 1848. So it was two years in direct response in, to in the direct, right, right, storm in, in yeah. direct response because of the of the catastrophe of, of this storm of 1846 or the John Minturn storm of 1846 this uh, is sep- that's separate of the coast guard right or is it well, it winds up joining <laughs> up with that down the road but it is uh, very much an early form of it kind of like okay. you'd hear uh minutemen and then the american revolution you have like your you know, it, it's a little bit of that it's an early form of it um but that's one of the coolest museums I've ever seen is down there in Sandy Hook. You can check all that stuff out. At, what's it, Fort Hamilton or Fort Hancock? Uh, well, both. I mean, one's on one side, one's on the other. One's I'm trying to remember which one, which one was in the Jersey side, though. I think Fort Hamilton's uh, New yeah. York. I want to say that. Um, well, we'll go with that until one of our listeners say, no, you assholes, you got it wrong. Now, most of our listeners are great. It's just the occasional <laughs> people on YouTube that are just like, you piece of shit, you insulted demo dick. <laughs> Nick Franco, you'll let us know. Yeah. Uh, Nick is good that way. Nick and Stu. <laughs> now, in the early years, of when you this finally now in 1848, uh, due really to because of a New Jersey representative, uh, William A. Newell, there's a Newell Act that's passed by Congress where they finally appropriated $10,000 to establish unmanned life-saving stations. So basically, it's just a little shack or a shed that was scattered a, a, around the, the, the beach area that had some life-saving equipment in it. But there was still, it was an unpaid uh, you know, position volunteer type of only. thing. So it's like your volunteer firefighters at least got a shed to go to to, to pull out some rope and, and that kind of stuff. But again, we still don't have any kind of a technology that's going to be able to help these people other than perhaps maybe a small a small craft, some rope, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. But uh, I mean, the guys on the Minturn, the sailors on the Minturn were trying to, at, at the towards the end, taking a weighted, uh, almost like a weighted baseball and attaching a rope to it. And they're trying to throw the rope as far as they possibly could. Well, how far can you pitch a ball into the wind uh, a know, with a rope hanging on to it to, uh, that you could might use that as a- Science is not on your side, line. buddy. Yeah, yeah, yes, right. 
Actually, um, how that's how they invented ski ball. <laughs> that's why that's at every right down every the shore, shore area. You got to put it into one hundred hole. Though, hey right man, it goes little. even younger than that. They really you win at Chuck E. Cheese, dude. Get the, <laughs> get the tickets. Get the tickets. But that whole United States Life Saving Service there was also an or, an organization up in Massachusetts, uh, the Massachusetts uh, Humane Society, that was again a volunteer kind of a thing, and from. Uh, the Minturn wreck and all the other wrecks that happened in that storm of 46 and some of the things that were started by uh, this volunteer life-saving service in Massachusetts, they finally put it together with the United States Life-Saving Service. And that just grew. And, and it, it took a few more disasters. Uh, <laughs> more people had to die before um, you know the federal government finally appropriated some additional funds um, that now finally, uh, I think it's in, in 54. So the storm was in 46. Now by 54, after um, the great Carolina hurricane of 1854 sweeps through the East Coast and causes uh, a lot more deaths, um, the Congress appropriates some more time. And now finally, we're going to get some full-time uh, keepers. And, you know, again, uh, you know, this is lighthouses and, and everything else that uh, these guys are still relying on the wind for uh, for navigation. And the light from a lighthouse to let you know, hey, hey, you're about to crash into a jetty, you fucking moron. <laughs> right, Get right. out of here. And then uh, finally, uh, in uh, 1874, um, they actually have a superintendent, somebody that's in charge of, of this whole life-saving uh, operation. And um, they go into a, a full-time uh, life-saving service type of thing. And it's through the... Uh, through the treasury. And that is not just on the East Coast. Now we've got uh, Maine, Cape Cod, the Outer Banks, Carolinas, uh, down in, uh, in Texas, uh, the Great Lakes. I mean, there's, you talk about shipwrecks, there's uh, oh, a whole big pile of shipwrecks on the Great Lakes. Uh, Erie, I think Lake Erie is probably a league leader with the, the number of shipwrecks. Oof. Um, but, uh, Another little interesting tidbit, you're talking about technology. I got to throw this in here, Kev. I'm sorry, but it was, uh, to me, it was pretty cool. By 1877, now they finally come up with something called a Lyle gun. Now, a Lyle, cool. All right. a Lyle gun it. is like a, a little cannon type of a thing that's throwing a weighted shot with a string attached to it. So, or not a string, a, a heavy cordage so that we can fire this thing at a ship that's only a couple hundred yards off ashore, very much like the John Minturn. Had this technology been around back in 1846, maybe some lives would have been uh, would have been saved. This Lyle gun is developed that it's a cannon that's going to fire this weighted shot that has a cord attached to it, and they're going to fire that over the ship so that somebody who's in distress aboard ship can take that smaller cord and then pull a heavier rope to it, and then they can set up. Uh, an A-frame and some turnbuckles and all kinds of neat stuff to uh, now they can uh, get people who are in distress who might have run aground just a couple hundred yards off of shore. Now they can bring them what safely, was it called safely to a Lyle gun, L-Y-L-E. It's named after a guy, uh, David A. Lyle, who was uh, a I wanted it to be guy. Lyle Chipperson very bad for like, <laughs> for like the three people Sorry. that understand that reference. Or, or Lyle uh, from, uh, that was uh, Wings? 
Wasn't that Lowell? Lowell, Lowell was here. Right, yeah, my bad, my bad. <laughs> Mixing up my shows. Another Nantucket can boy. You, can you imagine being on something happening on a boat where something like that is happening? Hey, they fired off the gun, guys. We're fine. We're going to be... <laughs> <laughs> right between the eyes. Now, we want this Lyle going to be able to grip into something, hopefully not someone. Uh, <laughs> missed it by this much. <laughs> I know it's a life-saving thing, but goddamn, that's funny. We're sending the Lyle cannon over. How many people on board? There's 30, 36 and a half. <laughs> There's 37. <laughs> Not quite that yet. <laughs> 36. Well, the uh, the fallout from this maritime disaster, it is immense, though. Uh, the U.S. is eventually going to start putting together a really cool thing with that whole uh, life-saving service, which I think is just one of the coolest stories around. Lighthouses fascinate me. I'm very uh, blown away by them. The twin lights, obviously, down there in Sandy Hook. If you've never been, come check it out. Even in the winter months, it's still pretty damn cool up there. So, Yeah, and, and, and uh, another Jersey reference here. Um Eventually, this life-saving uh, service and the uh, the revenue cutter service are merged all together, and it was by our own president Woodrow Wilson. It didn't really happen until 1915, but the merger created the Coast Guard. So there's that's we went from life-saving finally to the Coast Guard. So your weirdest thing you I can knew, send out your SOS and the, yeah, post 9/11 is the first time the Coast Guard was actually put under the Department of Defense. Part of that they were under Department of Transportation. That's yeah, a true story. Yeah. So the, the Parkway and the Coast Guard. <laughs> um, a couple things though, I just want to wrap up here. The harbor pilots, uh, they're not going to let the memory of our good man Thomas Freeborn. I mean, his courageous act of attempting to board successfully boarding and attempting to navigate through this terrible storm to get this ship. I mean, they're that close, man. You're not like Atlantic Highlands, that area you can see New York from. That's the north, the most north end of the Jersey Shore. If you go out far enough in the ocean, you can see New York. Um, so there's a good chance, even though their storm was coming through, there was no chance to know they were seeing anything. But on a good day, they might have been able to say, hey, that's where we're going. You know, kind of like uh, when Dorothy can see Oz and just the whole path of the yellow brick road to get there. Mm -hmm. It's that, but it's a uh, absolute frozen hell. <laughs> so Friedman, uh, I'm, he's going to go ahead, Freeborn rather, I apologize. He's going to go ahead and do uh, uh, this heroic act and loses his life in service of uh, the harbor pilots here. So the harbor pilots, they're actually going to erect a memorial to Thomas Freeborn which is actually uh, currently still on display over at Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn, which is one of the most famous cemeteries in the world. There's a lot they of... moved it? Or was it there always? There's there's two of them. Oh, there's two. Yeah. So what's the one that you found? The one that I found was in... Shoot. It was in, it was in Jersey. I didn't know there was one in Brooklyn. It uh, now, That's that funny, weird thing. We're talking like Tammany Hall era, where they're going to have... Um... Pilot's Monument. Oh, shit. It is in Brooklyn. Where Brooklyn at? Where Brooklyn at? <laughs> That was the whitest way I've ever heard that said before. I don't, I'm, I'm going to have That's to because, disregard that. No, I have too much respect to put on an accent in order to say that word. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say this. So that's over in Brooklyn now. Um, there's also a couple of – this one, a little weird. It's not quite the holidays yet, but you can't help but think about Christmas when you hear the name Courier and Ives, right, Dad? Yeah, I mean – World famous. World famous. Courier and Ives. Yeah, they'll actually wind up doing an engraving of Freeman as part of it. It's in his honor uh, of him on board the John Minturn attempting to get it through those seas that it never does uh, get through, but gives his life trying to save people. And again, on board, it's the majority of the crew. And then uh, also the 
uh, captain, his wife, his daughter, and his son. So that captain did not want to go down. He was trying not to take a, a chance here with that, but pretty brutal. And Cooners pulled up a really cool um, photo here. It looks like the funeral procession for Thomas Freeborn, pilot boats of 1840. So it's kind of like their version of a uh, parade for when a fireman or a cop goes down in New York City. Yeah, this yeah. is wild. I mean, it's a drawing, cool. but it's still really cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a wild one on that one, man. Um, and of course, Dad, you covered the people, uh, the, the good people of Jersey being borderline pirates here. There's something I got to say, though, on our way out here. It's, um, it sounds like this episode was just upsetting and a tragedy. There's really nothing spooky about this one. Do you have anything you wanted to say on the way out, Dad? No, I think I'm going to leave that to you because you were, you were there, so to speak. So, Well... The way that I found out about this ship, because things, you know, my cousin Pammy always tells me that things call out to her or whatever, you know, she's a character, um, but she'll notice things or something like that. And so this history stuff always reaches out to me, usually because I'm, I'm 80, yeah, I guess ADD about stuff like this, where I'll get bored with what I'm doing, be like, oh, cool, a historical marker. Hey, that's a cool painting there. What's that all about? And I'm just drawn to this stuff. So it's 5 a.m. in Point Pleasant one day at this place called the Shore House. I'm cleaning some beer lines, you know, I'm all by myself and, uh, I start uh, reading a little bit more about the place and everything. I might have gone home and Googling it, and I found this out, Kahuna. The Shore House in Point Pleasant. This Point Pleasant establishment has existed under various names since 1870. Shore House? Yeah. Wow. Since 1870. And for at least the last few decades has also been home to at least one ghost. Over the years, the establishment supposedly had been a hotel, a brothel, and a temporary funeral parlor. I hope not all at once. You want a live hooker or a dead hooker? <laughs> <laughs> not quite dead yet. That's right. Um, and a temporary funeral parlor after a disastrous shipwreck in 1846. The vessel involved, the John Mintern, floundered off the coasts and dozens of lives were lost. So this place served as the funeral home for, for the, the for dead the, bodies for from the, the John Mintern. Wow. Now, in 2001, the owner was – I mean, just imagine that. What a terrible – I mean, this is the, – the dead bodies being pulled off of the ship, you know, are now being on display over here in this makeshift funeral home. And I'm now standing in this room by myself at 5 a.m. with just a cell phone light, hoping that my buddy Vin I work with is a real person because I've never tried to take a picture of him and see if it shows up. I've never been in front of a mirror with this guy. Hell, I've never seen anyone else talking to him. What am I going to do here, folks? We're going to take a quick break again, just to let you know about the good people over at Blue Chew. If you suffer from erectile dysfunction in the bedroom, please don't let that be a deal break in your relationship. Check out Blue Chew. Use the uh, passcode KP Burke Sucks. Are you serious, by the way? In 2000. No, we don't have a sponsor. Uh, I was like, damn. <laughs> I'm just going to plug that because um, it's helped me. <laughs> in 2001, the owner of the Shore House was Jack Vital, and he had heard enough stories of ghosts in his bar that he called in a team of paranormal investigators to check out his building. My Those name are... is Zach Bagans. <laughs> <laughs> They're always weird people with it. There was a guy on a, a show one time who was going through Gettysburg ghost stories. Yeah. And he goes, so uh, with the, this is where they see the Confederate ghost is. So we're going to go up to him. And I've instructed my crew to all dress in a, in Civil War era fashion as not to upset him. Uh, oh, cool. What are you going to do about the uh, $4 million worth of equipment you're dragging <laughs> with you? Right. So, um, see, like – I know you mentioned it even in jokingly, but like I've seen some weird shit at Gettysburg from photos alone. 
Have you that ever? Might be, that have might you... be the next episode, so I don't want you to burn anything because we got a couple. We're doing a full month of spooky, spooky? history. So, oh, yes, because oh, you know how we yes! are. <laughs> Tis the season. Well, uh, again, in 2001, now this uh, paranormal team comes in to investigate, and uh, they tell them that there's three ghosts, three ghosts present in the shore house in Point Pleasant. An older man known as Captain John, an 18 year old girl named Elsie who was fearful of men. And an eight-year-old little boy who liked karaoke. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, what song was he playing, Kahuna? Think about it. Eight-year-old boy likes karaoke. This is in 2001. So it's possible that it's Journey. Don't stop believing. <laughs> <laughs> a little I mean, early for Break Stuff by Limp Bizkit, but... Uh, I was going to say the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song. It's got a nautical theme. <laughs> Spon- oh, that is... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. SpongeBob is a trapped soul. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I mean, they do have the Flying Dutchman as a featured character. That's true. I didn't even think of that, man. Voiced by uh, Brian Dole Murphy. Did you know that? Really? I didn't know that. During Mr. Vital's tenure as owner, items would often fall off shelves. A piano started playing by itself. Fuck that. And crumbs, <laughs> crumbs were often found on tables in the mornings, despite being cleaned thoroughly. That I've seen the cleaning crew there. That's entirely possible that they just missed it. Okay. <laughs> the piano, that's a little creepy. I'll admit I'm, to that one. I'm not going to lie. If I was in a building by my, if I was in Bellworks late at night and I knew the guards weren't there for whatever reason and I heard that piano start playing, I'd be creeped in the hell out yeah feet don't fail me it's, now uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there's a couple creepy ones every now and then with that stuff <laughs> feet don't fail me now <laughs> well uh this is kind of interesting here to mention as well um the bar was again investigated in 2006 after more spooky happenings occurred and maybe a couple of shows on discovery channel uh a bar stool flew through the air and smashed through a window uh, that's um, that specter is known as the situation. Uh, <laughs> uh, the ghost of Alan Iverson. <laughs> uh, items disappeared uh, off the electronic ordering system, and a stubborn set of blinds in the attic would always be open each morning after being carefully closed each night. One former employee claims to have seen the figure of Captain John, and he seemed totally real. The investigators found that the area of the attic said to be inhabited by Captain John, was noticeably colder than any other area of the building. (laughs) At some point around this time, a psychic named Sylvia Brown checked out the premises and said that while the Captain John story was romantic, the ghost's real name was Lewis Carter. (laughs) Mr. Carter apparently lived in the area at the time of the Minturn wreck. Well, you can call me John. You can call me Lewis. Can you imagine if the 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 first team of paranormal investigators got it right, and the dude was like, "Yes, finally they know me," and then this woman comes in, and it's like, "Nah, his name's Lewis," and he's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna go with her because uh, you know. <laughs> Sadly, for the sake of the story, details are pretty hazy about some of the bar's history. In all likelihood, the current building never served as a morgue after the shipwreck as the wreck took place 24 years before the structure was built in 1870. So that's the current building. That being said, the structure that was used after the wreck would have been very near to the current building. So in that general area, you're probably now parking on the funeral home that uh, the survivor, not survivors, the, the victims of the John Minturn storm were buried in. I mean, not for nothing. Didn't sometimes when shipwrecks occurred close to the shore, didn't they reuse 
pieces of the thing to build certain they things? They did, and I sure. think something in the Shore House is used. It, it might be from that, and it might be, or it might just be a little um, hyperbole, Tribute. but there's definitely a, there's some cool portraits of the Minturn uh, shipwreck in that place. Uh, now, you said that there was some something from the wreck in there. I couldn't confirm or deny that because the lights were mostly off and we were moving around for work and stuff. So, mm -hmm. but this was, and by the way, that uh, info I just pulled through here, that comes from a, a great source. I want to make sure we give credit to uh, thishauntedplace.com. <laughs> yeah. Don't Chris, go on that one at night. This haunted place. Yeah. Just yeah. go ahead and avoid that. Right. <laughs> because <laughs> it'll be something, it's always like this too, especially with the great weird New Jersey books that you'll sit there and you'll be like, oh, that's cool. Hang on. I've been here. This, what was going on? I've been around that shit. <laughs> yeah. Right. So when Kahuna opens it up and it's the the Bell Works Muppet Killers of Good Lord, <laughs> hey man! <laughs> but that's uh that's what we got on this one here. The storm proved to be indeed the hell to pay that the nautical folks worried about the year before. The storm that took down nine ships in total and fort. It was the largest maritime uh, loss of life uh, at sea in U.S. maritime history. It caused the creation of the U.S. Life Saving Services. And definitely brought a little bit more attention to just how treacherous the Jersey Shore could be. Uh, anything you want to say to the people on the way out the door, Dad? Uh, just it's, for me, this was cool because you know, been there, seen that, or walked among mm -hmm. walked among them, kind of a thing, and not not realizing it again. Um, you know, I think it goes back to what you said before that sometimes reading those historical markers, uh, you get a wealth of information that you never realize, so you might have driven past for you know thousands of times and never stopped to take the time to read it um, my suggestion would be take the time to read it because there's uh, some really cool stuff out there that sometimes we just got to slow ourselves down and then uh, you know check it out yeah read a little bit that's what we're trying to say and i do want to say one thing if we can a regular uh, listener and friend of the show we've got a couple great ones out there dr tristan vidrero whose uh, medical license has been revoked um couple other people there, but one great recurring guest on the show is uh, one of my best friends on planet Earth, uh, Big Rich from Jersey. And he had a very interesting Jersey-centric historical post today that I just wanted to read word for word here. This is Rich McDonald. Check him out over on uh, Facebook. Um, he does have a comedy duo he does with our buddy Joe Carney. Um, whenever Joe uh, recovers from whatever... Uh, I don't know. Uh, whenever Joe gets over being Joe, they'll be back on the road <laughs> doing Whatever uh, malady. Cakes. Yeah. Um, Per Big Rich from Jersey. John Taylor was born in Hamilton Square, New Jersey on October 6, 1836. Taylor formed the Taylor Provisions Company in 1888 and created Taylor's Pork Roll. The product was originally called Taylor's Prepared Ham, oh, but Taylor was forced to change the name after the product failed to meet the new guidelines because it didn't fit the definition of ham. <laughs> <laughs> which had been established by the Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906. Larry Burke, who is president of the United States when this goes down? None other than Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, my God. Do not fuck with TR. Do not fuck with pork roll. <laughs> um, but again, he is this John uh, Taylor here guy who it is his birthday today, October 6th um, in 1836, of course, was his original birthday. But we're celebrating his birthday. How many breakfasts? Hungover or sober? Have you enjoyed, Dad, with a nice slab of pork roll on it? Too numerous. Too numerous. Well, uh, Taylor, pretty uh, awesome guy. He also found the Taylor Opera House in Trenton, New Jersey, 
All right. You spent a little time over there. College, makes, not prison. College, Trent, not prison. <laughs> Trenton makes the world takes. <laughs> Taylor passed away on February 10th, 1909. So the guy who invented Taylor Ham lived a pretty good long life. That's not so bad. He is buried in Riverview Cemetery in Trenton, New Jersey. So thank you to regular uh, guest of the show uh, and an excellent quality human being, uh, Big Rich from Jersey, a.k.a. Rich McDonald. Uh, that was a great little addendum there. Try to give you a little – I want to cheer you up a little bit. I don't want you nervous. A lot of people listen to the show on their way into work. Happy and, birthday, John Taylor. Yeah, if the sun's not up yet and you go into a you know work or something like that and you're like, am I – are there ghosts nearby? I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> but we're going to keep it rolling. We, we will keep it history-based, but we'll also tell a couple more ghost stories here this month as we lead up to All Hallows' Eve. So do me a favor, guys. If you like the show – Help me out if you can, man. It's uh, three as low as three bucks. You wanted to give me five bucks, uh, we'll send you some merch. You want to make a donation bigger than that? You want to do a one-time donation and listen to all the episodes and then never pay me again? I mean, that's fine too. I guess you could do that. <laughs> a little bit of money in my pocket goes a long way. The Kahuna is hard at work editing my album, baby. We're hoping to have that thing out here. I'm not going to give it a deadline or anything because I got a lot of work on it. I got to do tonight. It's all on my end at this point. But uh, you and the wonderful Chris Matt are busting your asses for me on that one. And we got a big, big plan. I'll tell you what, Kahuna. I'm going to say it out loud. And you edit it if we have to right now, okay? <laughs> right? I'm going to say this right now. I think we can have that out on YouTube. The entire full special will be out on YouTube. I want to have it for Thanksgiving weekend. You think we can do it? Absolutely. Thanksgiving weekend, folks. There will be 100%. Mystery Science Theater 3000. There will be football. There will be turkey. There will be your racist uncle at a table. And you will all sit down together and please enjoy KP Burke, Escape from Jacksonville. Check me out over at, at KP Burke Sucks on Instagram, KP Burke on Facebook. I'm posting all sorts of great jokes over there. Did you not see the one that I had before Facebook throttled it last week? No, I didn't. One of the best jokes I've ever written in my life. <laughs> I, I had people with late night credits that work for Comedy Central be like, that's pretty much perfect, buddy. Um, Kahuna, the, uh, the new James Bond uh, is rumored to be a woman. Okay. Meaning her new code name will be 0070 cents on the dollar. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're trying to keep it light here, guys, because I got a little, um, we got a little dark, got a little spooky here on that one. But Lawrence Patrick, say say something, say goodbye to the people. Hey, goodbye, people. And uh, just, again, be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of your surroundings. And you know what? Uh, Thank you so much for all those camping trips at Sandy Hook, man. You uh, you and me got a lot of great memories there. And because of you, a lot of other kids that were in our troop got great memories with their dads. Uh, everybody tried to find the nude beach over there. And we also learned a little bit about history. And, so. and nude beaches and poison ivy don't mix. That's <laughs> so basically what he's saying is it's your fault we're doing this podcast. That's it. It really is, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, go ahead. Support the show over on Patreon if you can. If you can't, just tell a friend about it, man. We really appreciate you. It means a lot to us. It's a small, tight-knit community, but you guys are super loyal, and that means the world to me. And unfortunately, guys, that was the John Minturn Storm, American Loser. An American Loser the day I was born. An American loser the day I was born An American loser the day I was born